You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. Welcome to the program. Today is the 24th day of August 2021. Uh, Pre-recorded a show last Friday, and uh, we're going to listen to that today. Um, Didn't go on the show yesterday because uh, Kim's father was involved in a head-on accident with a log truck. And died on the scene. So that happened yeah 
1.47 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in North Carolina yesterday. So, uh, anyway, um, and she has a, uh, she has her kindergarten class for the first time tomorrow. So, anyway, uh, I pre-recorded this. I wanted to do more pre-recorded shows, but I wasn't able to. Anyway, um, Emmett, uh, are you there? Are you in the studio? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, just go ahead and um, I'll mute my mic and you go ahead and it's 82321 is the name of the thing and it's that's only 25 minutes long. I don't know if that recorded at all. Is there another one that you can see that is close to that? On the studio? Uh, no. Uh, no, not and it's see. really hard to hear you, so I don't know if you're on your headset or what you're doing. Well, huh, I can't hear you, so I don't know. Anyway, uh, three tubes coming down. All right, I'll, uh, I'll just mute myself. Go ahead and start that show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Welcome to the program. Today is the 23rd day of August 2021. Today we'll be reading Conclusion of Holy Priesthood, Volume 6. We'll be in Chapter 16, Securing This Great Treasure. I'll dedicate the program and we will get right into the reading. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank thee, Father, for the opportunity to put these programs out here and into the world where we can share the gospel of the restoration with the world. We love thee, Father, and we desire to be tools in thine hand to bring about Zion's redemption. We say these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Conclusion. Securing this great treasure, chapter 16 of Holy Priesthood, volume 6 pages 302 through 314. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Moses said unto him, Enviest thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Numbers chapter 11, verses 27 and 29. By now we should have learned several important things pertaining to the keys of the priesthood. First and foremost, it is the Melchizedek priesthood that contain the keys to the following. Number one, of all spiritual blessings of the church. Number two, keys of receiving the mysteries of the kingdom of, of, of heaven. Number three, the keys to have the heavens opened unto them. Number four, The keys to commune with the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn. Number five, the keys to enjoy the communion and presence of God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Mediator of the New Covenant, according to DNC section 107, uh, verses 18 and 19. 
We should keep in mind that, number one, these powers and keys come from the priesthood, not man, a group of men, or the church. Number two, only those holding the Melchizedek priesthood have the power to bind or loose on earth and in heaven. Number three, men who hold the priesthood may be called upon by the Lord to perform a perform a specific labor or mission that may not be under the jurisdiction of the mainstream church. Number four, any man, church, or group who changes, disregards, or opposes the eternal laws, principles, and ordinances, and the doctrines of the priesthood will lose their keys to the priesthood if they ever had them in the first place. All this means... All this means that the whole responsibility of man's salvation rests upon him and the priesthood he holds. He cannot depend on someone else or their keys to save him. See Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 238. A man's future destiny and glory depends upon his obedience to the laws, ordinances, and principles of the gospel, as Wilfred Woodruff said. We have received the holy priesthood. There is no change to that priesthood. It belongs to the celestial kingdom of our God. It does not belong to the terrestrial or the celestial kingdom. If you or I ever get into the celestial kingdom, we have got to keep the law of that kingdom. Show me the law that keeps that a man keeps, and I will tell you where he is going. Deseret Weekly News, July 29, 1889. Ironically, he signed the manifesto about a year later, and the saints were told that the celestial law had changed. In reality, the celestial law was still there and available, but just no longer accepted by the church. The saints need to learn that Joseph Smith spoke truly when he said that, quote, the people who should each one stand for himself, and that righteous person could only deliver their own souls and applied it to the present state of the church. And that was the present state of the church in the day of Joseph Smith. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 237 and 238. Meaning that the religious responsibility rests upon each individual. God wants everyone to be a witness to him so that every man might speak in the name of God the Lord even the Savior of the world. Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 20. Too often the saints, both in the church and, and the groups, are taught to follow the leader, which is degrading to their salvation. Following someone is, to contra- is a contradiction to the doctrine of calling an election, as Brigham Young taught. And before I get into that uh, quote by Brigham Young, God wants you to hear the prophets, all of them, whether they have a specific calling in a church or a group, but he wants you to take what you hear from them and get revelation about it and confirmation of the Spirit for yourself. That is your job. You hear the prophets, that doesn't mean you're following them. You should hear them. Uh, and go to God for yourself, because God wants all of his children to be prophets. All right, continuing on with Brigham Young. Now those men and those women 
Now those men or those women who know no more about the power of God and the influences of the Holy Spirit than to be led entirely by another person, suspending their own understanding and pinning their faith upon another person's sleeve, will never be capable of entering into the celestial glory. To be crowned as they anticipate, they will never be able to uh, to be capable of becoming gods. Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 312. People who must follow someone else are spiritual, are spiritual cripples. A true spiritual leader wants people to get the word of the Lord for themselves. They could spiritually sustain and support such a leader far more if they have their own testimonies. Prophets, seers, and revelators are best described as servants as such men are called to serve people by healing, prophesying, performing miracles, and teaching the word of God. Those are keys in action. Jesus said that the greatest of all was the servant of all. See Matthew chapter 20, verse 27. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11. Mark 10, 24, and 3 Nephi 12, verse 1. It is this kind of service that is a greater is a greater evidence of keys, not just holding some position of authority. The greater the spiritual service, the greater their keys. There is a common uh, misconception in ordination, which was clarified by Brigham Young when Sidney Rigdon was making claims to the church leadership. Quote, You cannot fill the office of a prophet, seer, or revelator. God must do that. You cannot call a man to be a prophet, and that is, uh, Brigham Young is recorded by Wilford Woodruff, um, Cowley, page 218. This same concept was printed in the Millennial Store, uh, Star, quote, Ordinations do not celestialize, appointments do not elevate. They only authorize us to be channels of light to others and to ourselves. But under the present state of things, if the whole world were ordained apostles, that in itself would not make a whit more make it a whit more heavenly. Millennial Star, volume twenty, page five hundred and forty three. The church claims that they alone hold the keys, each of the groups believes that they hold the keys. And most of the independent prophets claim that they alone hold the keys. It remains of us, uh, it remains, oh, I'm sorry, it reminds us of Elijah who told the Lord that the children of Israel had all fallen away, and I, even I alone, uh, even I only am left. And the Lord said to him, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. First Kings chapter 19, verses 14 and 18. Likewise, there are many among our modern Israelites who still hold and honor the holy priesthood and have some attending keys. And I just have to say something about that real quick. Um, when this book was written, that might have been the case. However, uh, because 
of what Heber J. Grant did with not confer, uh, having the whole church change from conferring priesthood to only ordaining to offices. A lot of peace, uh, a lot of people lost their line of authority, or they they did not have priesthood conferred upon them. And then later on, when David O. McKay changed it back, it didn't fix anything. The people who had been ordained to offices with no priesthood from 1921 to 1957 still didn't have priesthood. Because of that, and because of other things, God, um, in Daniel chapter 12, talks about uh, the very end of days of the telestial uh, portion of the history of this earth. And he talks about Michael standing up in that time and he also talks about a servant who is clothed in linen, which means that he is a pure vessel of God. And he lifts his hands to the air, or in other words, he lifts his hands to the, to the square after the order of the Melchizedek priesthood, and the keys and the authority which he holds. And he scatters the power of all the holy people in the last days. Now, the power of the holy people in the last days is the priesthood of the restoration. In 2013, in July of 2013, God, and I didn't know this, this prophecy existed in Daniel chapter 12, and I wouldn't know that until after a month after, um, after I did what I did, because God told me to do it. My aunt came to me and she said, you fulfilled Revelation. And I said, what are you talking about? And she told me about Daniel chapter 12. But in July of 2013, God said, I want you to raise your arms to the square and to sever the, the power and the ordinations of all the holy people, the priesthood. And I said, why do you want me to do that? It was like a complete shock to me. And, it, and he said, because if they will not accept you as my witness, I will not accept them. So basically, it's basic. It's basically a hard reset. The priesthood is still on the earth, but the people who held the priesthood have to fall in line. The gate is narrow; it is not wide, and you have to re get rebaptized and receive a reordination of priesthood in order to have priesthood. And that that comes by accepting me as the witness that I am. It doesn't mean that I'm your file leader. God is your file leader. Uh, it doesn't mean that I get to tell you what to do. And it doesn't mean that I am a soothsayer. And, um, you know, some people want me to tell them their futures or what they should do. I can only tell you what God has told me to tell you. And God has told me to tell you to gather and to repent and to be rebaptized and receive your ordinations through me or somebody who I have already ordained uh they can do the work. So when Ogden here is talking about, you know, uh, uh, there's lots of priests all over the place. Well, that may have been true at the time, but because Daniel chapter 12 has been fulfilled as of July of uh, July 15th of 2013, you have to come through me. And I know a lot of people hate that, and I'm sorry. I'm not doing it because I want to do it. I'm doing it because God told me this is the way it has to be because you actually do have to accept me as God's servant. So anyway, but continuing on with the reading, 
In section 101 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord gave a parable of the vineyard to explain the redemption of Zion. The men who were in charge of the vineyard failed to do their jobs, so finally the Lord of the vineyard came back and said, Why? What is the cause of this great evil? Ought ye not to have done even as I have commanded you? Basically saying, shouldn't you have done what I have asked you to do? And he's talking about the church and the restoration groups. They don't do what God asked them to do. They, you know, they do the basics, but they don't do the things that God has asked them to do. I'm talking about plural celestial marriage, the law of adoption, rebaptism, celestial marriage, all of it. They make excuses as to why they don't have to worry about it, why even though God told them to do it and he hasn't rescinded any of these things that... Oh, that wasn't for us. That's for another people. Well, hey, if you're going to be, if it's not for you, then the celestial kingdom is not for you. And the blessings that you think that you're going to have, they're not going to be for you either. Anyway, continuing on with this reading. Let's see here. Then he said to one of his servants, go and gather together the residue of my servants and and redeem my vineyard. Doctrine and Covenants section 101 52, 53, 55, and 56. So basically he's talking about go among the servants, go among the church, and gather the residue out of the church that those those people may redeem Zion. Because there has been an apostasy within the church, which it talks about in DNC section uh, 121 and also 85 because God would have to send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order implying it would be out of order and that's the house of God not the church it's the whole umbrella of every restoration group every single one of them are out of order this indicates that his chosen were not all in one church group or place but were in a scattered condition and had to be gathered. And that's exactly what God is doing right now. And he's told me to gather people to central Utah, to Emory County, to this area, Carbon County, Emory County, this area. Now, I've had uh, people talking about gathering in uh, Jackson County, Missouri. The only problem with that is that's not where God has told us to gather. We, there has been a time when that would have been a gathering place if the people were obedient. But Isaiah saw that the residue of the house of the Lord, which this other revelation just talked about, will be gathered in the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places. And that does not describe at all Jackson County, Missouri, or Independence, or Nauvoo, Illinois. That describes this area Isaiah saw this area. Skyline Drive is the top of the mountains that that Isaiah, Isaiah saw. Escalante National Park is the desert places that Isaiah saw, and God has showed me exactly where we will ride out the storm that's coming. And we're right on the cusp of it right now. Right now. In the next couple of years, I... I believe now god hasn't given me a timeline but 
because of the vaccinations that they are putting out there, it's screwing with the RNA and it's causing uh, blood clots and it's ca- causing uh, just a whole bunch of stuff that you're not seeing right now. But people, if you've taken the vaccinations for the COVID virus, get your house in order because you're about to go meet your maker, which is by design. Bill Gates in 2010 claimed out loud publicly that they are going to use, and this is in 2010, okay, that they're going to use vaccinations and health care to reduce the population of the earth 10 to 15%. It's worse than that. They learned how to make it worse so that they could depopulate because don't you know that more people make more global warming uh, cause more CO2 in the air, and if they can reduce the population, uh, then there will be less global warming, and that's how they're going to do it. That's a justification for killing off two-thirds of the population of the Earth. They want to get the Earth, and it's stated in the Georgia Guidestones, under 500 million people. So, but this is the kickoff, what they're doing right now. And I'm sorry... And you know what? They're not even going to let you know that people are dying of COVID because it's an autoimmune disease that that this RNA, breaking the RNA is going to cause this HIV type autoimmune disease, which people will be dying left and right of all kinds of different things. But it comes because of the virus and the person who invented the RNA vaccine he warned people not to take it. I can't remember what his name is right now, but he told people this: that do not allow this to be injected into your body. But people are going to do what they're going to do. And you know what? And I would say that's fine, but it's not fine because um, I'm, I have no problem. <laughs> this is probably just me speaking. Actually, this is actually just me speaking. I have no problem with there being less people. And I probably am opposed, or I, I probably have a different view of, of it than God has, but the wickedness of the people on the face of the planet right now. Now, a lot of people don't think they're wicked. They think, oh, we're righteous, and we love our families, and we love our friends, and we do all the things. But you get out there on, on the roadways, and you see how selfish and inconsiderate people are, and it shows their true heart. And as a truck driver, I see it every single day. And it's disgusting. And people that think that they're all righteous and everything, when they do things to affect other people because of their own selfish actions, that's wickedness in the extreme. And I I have no problem with uh, these large cities like Los Angeles and Las Vegas and Atlanta, Georgia, and every place that I have been all over North America where people are rude and uh, very inconsiderate, it just just shows the level of selfishness and wickedness in the society that we live in. So, And I'm sorry that a lot of good people are going to die as well, but they're not heeding the warnings and they're not getting revelation for themselves as to whether they should take the vaccine or whether... They should take uh, certain medications, uh, you know, because we should all get revelation for ourselves about what medications we're taking. 
every single medication should have an approval by God whether we should be taking it or not. And we can get revelation because God is no respecter of persons, but you've got to learn how, and that's one of the things I teach on this radio program. So, but anyway, getting back to the reading... The priesthood of one man is not controlled by the priesthood of another, either in the church or out of it. Any man who honors his priesthood may be called to assist in building the building, the building of Zion, the new Jerusalem, and the kingdom of God. The zeal towards establishing the Lord's kingdom on the earth has fallen into the historical past like the dream of Camelot. The mighty warriors of Zion, like the knights of the round table, have come to the shame of fighting among themselves. In giving up their, their search for Zion, they have joined league with the soldiers of Babylon, where they have lost, where they have lost the dream and have almost lost their own identity. Where are the mighty warriors of the Lord today? Where is the individual spoken of where 1,000 shall flee at the rebuke of one? Isaiah chapter 30, verse 17. Or two put 10,000 to flight. Devarim or Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32, verse 30. Talk about warriors for the Lord. They don't even know who they are. They, uh, today they don't even know who the enemy is. Uh, real quick, this only happens, these prophecies are only fulfilled when God has a people who are ready to receive the fullness of the priesthood, which was not given, has not been given upon the earth to the general mass of the residue. It's only been given, as far as I know, to myself. When I knelt before the Lord, before the Father himself, the Lord of the whole earth, the Most High, and he, uh, he conferred the fullness of the priesthood upon me. And I've been able to do certain things uh, with controlling or commanding the elements with that priesthood. But this thing that he's talking about, where two, two men will put 10,000 to flight, they will have the fullness of the priesthood. And I cannot give that fullness out. Only God can give that fullness out. And in DNC section 124, Jesus tells Joseph Smith to build the temple whereby the Most High can come dwell therein, the Father, that he, the Father, might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood, because it had not yet been restored on the earth. It does not mean that Joseph Smith or the saints lost it. He's talking about the world. The fullness of the priesthood is that priesthood that these individuals have that allow them to put 10,000 to flight, and they don't have it yet. The residue of the people will have it when they are prepared to have it. And it, it'll probably be a tabernacle that they'll have to build in the wilderness for the presence of God to come in, because there has to be a temple. And we will be in the wilderness. When everything falls apart... That's exactly where we'll be, out in the wilderness, the highways at the top of the mountains and in the desert places where Isaiah saw the residue of the people in the last days. That's going to happen in our lifetime. Talk about warriors of the Lord. Today they don't even know who the, who the enemy is. 
Men can receive the priesthood with keys thereof, but then can easily lose them, as Cain, Esau, Samson, Reuben, and Judas, etc. It is astonishing to note the reasons why a vain glory, a mess of pottage, a few pieces of silver, a woman, or friendship with the world. That's the reason these other men lost their priesthood. Men who have held... I'm sorry, men who have the, the holy priesthood and associated keys will be required to make an accounting of what they have done with them. It will be comparable to one of the parables of the Lord who taught, quote, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two talents, and to another one talent, and to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14, 15, and 19. A similar account, accounting will have to be made by those with priesthood keys, as, as explained by John Taylor. Then they will assemble to regulate all these affairs, and all that held the keys of authority to administer will then represent their earthly course, and as this authority has been handed down from one to another in different ages and in different dispensations, a full reckoning will have to be made by all. All who have had and held the keys of the priesthood will have to give an account to those from whom they received them. Government of God by John Taylor, page 116. What keys have been operating in the church for the last century? Have we continued in the quest for building the new Jerusalem or establishing the kingdom of God or promoting the same principles and doctrines that they formerly did? Professor Harold Bloom, a noted Jewish scholar and authority of American religion, noticed a significant difference. Quote, it has become something of a commonplace to observe that modern Mormonism tends to reduce itself to another Protestant sect, another Christian heresy, while the religion of Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, Parley, and Orson Pratt, and other leading early uh, Mormons were far more radical, um, was a far more radical swerve away from the Protestant traditions, end quote. Harold Bloom Lodz and, I'm sorry, um, A-U-D-A, Ada, City of Joseph, uh, Dennis M. Clark, Sunstone, April 1991, page 59. Well, that's interesting. So basically what he's saying is that the modern Mormon church is giving up its deep doctrines and principles in order to be more Christian so that they can be friends with the world, which is what these false leaders are doing because they want to be more popular with the world so they can gain more converts. So they will reject and deny former revelations, which they have. We're talking about the 1880, the four uh, revelations in the 1880s, as well as they just ignore... Uh, you know, anything that has to do with the United Orders or any of that. 
they ignore the journal of discourses and the teachings of former leaders unless it goes along with their narrative. It's because they want qual- our quantity, but God was looking for quality. God wants a people who will do what he has asked so that Zion can be redeemed. And that doesn't happen by 16 million members of a church that is giving up the principles of the doctrines. It happens by eight eight or whatever, you know, and I'm talking about the days of Noah. The kingdom of God consisted of eight people, not the masses. God is looking for quality, not quantity. He's looking for a people that will be obedient to his commandments. Our own Mormon historians admit the same thing. Thomas Alexander said, quote, by 1930, for the general church membership, the transition of the Latter-day saint people from conditions and attitudes into the 19th century to those prevalent in the early 20th century had completely been had generally been completed administratively and practically however they didn't they fit in well and were increasingly accepted by the society which had worked so hard a generation before to destroy them Mormonism in Transition by Alexander, page 306. And, you know, the reason why the persecution isn't there anymore is because if you are not a threat to the devil's kingdom, he will not come after you. So you don't have the persecution like you would when you were a threat to the devil's kingdom. Early Mormonism was a massive threat to the devil's kingdom. Plural celestial marriage is a huge threat to the devil's kingdom because God, or, well, because Satan knows that you cannot receive your exaltation and eternal lives without having the sealing ordinances of the priesthood and uh, the whole idea that, you know, there are many more elect women than men. And we're not talking about like a one to one ratio of men to women. We're talking about a ratio of many more elect women who qualify to receive these higher blessings and less elect men, and that's the reason for plural celestial marriage, according to the revelation and the vision that God gave me personally when I, well, I asked about something else and God gave me a huge revelation, this huge vision. I learned a lot in that in that vision. But that's what the whole reason, and God knows that in order to receive your eternal lives, you have to be sealed one man to one woman. But if there's less women, I mean, if there's less elect men than there are women, he allows plural celestial marriage. So all of these elect women who are being sealed to schmucks who will not make it to the celestial kingdom, I, it's sad that they should have to choose from among people who are not elect. Anyway, I'll... Just leave it at that and continue on. We're about halfway through the reading today. At the end of the reading, we will open the phone lines uh, for people to listen to this. Or, Well, actually, you can call in to listen to it right now. However, at the end of the program, we will open the phone lines up so that we can take questions or comments. But like I said, we're only halfway through now. Uh, but just so you know, there are 50 lines available. If you want to call in to listen, that's completely fine. If you're listening on um, a streaming service or something. Hold on here. 
Okay, anyway, um, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. All right. Uh, Also, if you do call in and you push one, that'll let me know that you want to come on the program live. Now, if you stay on the program, even into the, uh, the music at the end of the program and you're still on, I will put you in the screening room and I will, you know, off air... Uh, if you have any questions or comments, then I will get to you at that time. So, all right. Jesus said, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the, of the Father which hath sent me. John chapter 5, verse 30. If Jesus set the, set the example of following the Father, why are we so anxious to follow the brethren? We should put our trust in... Or we should put our trust in religious leaders the same as we put trust in business and corporate corporation leaders. We accept we expect them to run a business properly, efficiently and on correct principles. If they betray this trust, then we no longer place our trust in them lest we become part of their impro- impropriety. However, we continue to maintain our allegiance with the company while withholding support from those who have betrayed our trust. This applies to all organizations, governments, businesses, and churches. One of the differences between a cult and a religion is whom the members follow. Quite simply, if they follow God, it is a religion. If they follow a man, it is a cult. The present position of the modern Mormons is evident by a barrage of sermons, writings, and exhortations persuading the members to follow their leaders. The scriptures are filled with prophecies about many false prophets in the last days, so it should not be surprising to see them crop up in increasing numbers. These scriptures also tell us that the house of God will be out of order, so it should not be shocking that the Latter-day Saints... For the Latter-day Saints to hear someone declare that it is indeed so. But we have the promise of the great prophet Joseph Smith, the one man holding all the keys of this dispensation, who is Joseph Smith, is responsible for getting it back in order. And that's not true. He doesn't say that. That's uh, that's an opinion. I. There's a lot of people who think that Joseph Smith is going to come back as some kind of translated or resurrected being. Uh, Resurrected people cannot do the work that God has given for man to do on the earth. Paul could not be baptized by Jesus because Jesus was a resurrected being. Paul was told by Jesus to go to Ananias, who was a man who held the priesthood on the earth. Joseph Smith will not do the work that a man on the earth can do. And I know that there is a thing called multiple mortal probations, but that's from world to world, not from generation to generation. And I completely reject the idea of, of that. Now, if Joseph Smith comes back as Jesus does and, and tells, you know, somebody to get baptized, I don't know, whatever. But Joseph Smith is not coming back in mortality as some people think that he is. So Joseph Smith actually taught that God the Witness 
still needed to take a body and to come on the earth to do the same or similar things as Jesus did, and that that was important for that to happen. And Joseph Smith was not that man. In fact, if you want to read Doctrine and Covenants section 50, uh, it gives this long revelation of this individual who is giving a revelation to Joseph Smith. And at the end of the revelation, it says, And the day will come when you shall see me and know that I am. Well, that's really interesting, because Jesus Christ had already seen the Father and the Son, but he had not seen God the Witness. Because God the Witness was giving him that revelation, he said, And the day will come when you shall see me and know that I am. That whole revelation is by God the Witness. Well, that's who's speaking at that point, which is not Joseph Smith. And this whole idea that Joseph Smith is God the witness also contradicts section 130 where Jesus Christ and tells Joseph Smith that God the witness is a spirit being. At that time he was. Joseph Smith knew that God the witness had to come and take a body on the earth to come to do the same or similar things as Jesus did. Joseph Smith was an Elias for God the witness to come. And Joseph Smith knew that as well. Now, whether that comes through in people with their, uh, you know, taking notes down the way they took notes down might not show it, but Joseph Smith did understand these things. So, anyway, uh, I will be right back. We're on page 309. I'm just going to pause this real quick. I'm actually pre-recording this today. I'm at work right now. But I wanted to give my wife and my son a break because they are doing a lot of stuff with school and I, their schedules are packed. So I am off today, um, which is not Monday. So this is pre-recorded. But uh, the program is still live and we will still take phone calls after the program. So I'm actually driving a truck right now listening uh, as you hear it, but I'm sitting in my living room right now as I hear it. So anyway, I'm going to pause it, and I'll be right back. All right, so we're back on page 309. When the prophet Joseph Smith was killed, the apostle Parley Pratt prayed to know what he should say to the saints when, they re when he returned to Nauvoo. In a revelation, the Lord told him, quote, my servant, Joseph, still holds the keys of my kingdom in this dispensation, and he shall stand in due time on the earth in the flesh and fulfill that to which he is appointed. And that is according to what Parley P. Pratt received, and you can find that in the autobiography of Parley P. Pratt, page 333. Uh, although... It doesn't say anything about what section 124 says, where Jesus said the church would be rejected if they did not build the temple for the Most High to come dwell therein, which was never done. So I take that as uh, in a, with a grain of salt, because I would I take the words of Jesus over the words of any man. So in DNC section 124, I've gone over many times in past programs, so I'll just leave it at that. Heber C. Kimball describes all the tests and trials that the saints would have to go through, and then he added, quote, Then the prophet and others will make their appearance, and those who 
who have remained faithful be selected to return to Jackson County, Missouri, and take part in the upbuilding of the beautiful of that beautiful city, the New Jerusalem. And he said that. Well, let's see here. Um, Heber C. Kimball said that, and that is according to the Deseret News. But here's the kicker: here, he did that wasn't quoted during the lifetime of Heber C. Kimball. That was uh, Deseret News, May 23rd, 1931. So I have a little bit of a problem with that as well. Brigham Young, in a speech a week after the Saints arrived in the Rockies, said, We should yet have brothers Joseph and Hiram and many of the Saints in their resurrected bodies with us on the earth. And that's true, but timelines don't seem to match up, and the fact that the church was rejected with their dead, according to Section 124. But we find that quote in Wilfred Woodruff's journal, Volume 3, page 244. And the prophet Joseph Smith said, This I will promise to you, that when I come again to lead you forth, for I will go to prepare a place for you, so that where I am you shall be with me. Uh, and that is as quoted in Fate of the Persecutors by Lundwald, page 154. In reality, all kinds of churches and groups are needed. Men with keys to the priesthood and those who think they have the priesthood keys are needed. True prophets, false prophets, and even the devil are all needed, as Brigham Young explained, quote, Men and women never could be prepared to be judged without the power of both God and the devil. We are obliged to know and understand them, one as well as the other, in order to prepare prepare us for the day that is coming and for our exaltation. Some of you may think that this is a curious principle, but it is true. Refer to the Book of Mormon and you will find that Nephi and others taught that we actually need evil in order to make this state of, in order to make this a state of probation. We must know the evil in order to know the good. There must needs be an opposition in all things. All facts are demonstrated by their opposites. Uh, Journal of Discourses, Volume Four, Page Three Hundred and Seventy Three, and I can kind of attest to that in my own life um, because I understood at the early age of five years old that Lucifer Satan actually existed and that there was a paranormal, paranormal realm beyond the veil uh, in my early life I really looked into a whole bunch of stuff and I think Joseph Smith did the same thing he understood that there was something more to life than what we see in in our physical existence. And so I believe he got into things that he was trying to understand, and it's like with me. So I'll reveal something about myself. Um, between the ages of, well, I don't know, 15, well, actually even earlier than that, when I was younger I used to read a lot of books about Nostradamus, and about Edgar Casey and a whole bunch of other of those type of things 
because I wanted to understand things. I read books about UFOs and a whole bunch of stuff about a whole bunch of different topics that would be uh, occultish type things. I even would read books about spells, white magic, black magic. I've read the Satanic Bible. Um, I've read a whole bunch of other stuff. I got into tarot cards when I was younger, Ouija boards, rune stones, all of these type of things because I knew that there was something beyond the veil that I didn't understand and I was trying to understand it by whatever means I could. I read about angels. I read the scriptures as well because I understood that there was something, something else there. And I think that Joseph Smith did the same type of thing with the things that he had available to him. And I think it's a sad thing when you have a lot of ex-Mormons freak out because Joseph Smith used seer stones. Now, seer stones are found in the Bible, and he did treasure digging, and he tried to, he tried to understand the things that, you know, things that were, uh, you know, paranormal and beyond the veil because he knew something was there. He knew it. Uh, he probably had uh, circumstances in, in his life that, that showed him that there were things, you know, because like with myself, when I was five years old, I remember Satan standing in my bedroom. The light was coming through the window. I could not see through the man. I did not know who it was at the time. Um, I actually... Because I didn't know who it was at the time, I, I called him Darth Vader because he reminded me of Darth Vader in a way. <coughs> Excuse me, but I was five years old. Uh, later on, I would figure out and find out who this individual was that was stalking me, basically from before I remember. My mom talks about things happening when I was first born and hauntings and demonic activity around me and part of the reason why I moved so much from family to family growing up and I moved over a hundred times before I was 18 was because these in these entities would follow me throughout my early years and people could only handle it for so long before they would send me to another family member or I would be sent to a youth home or to a juvenile correctional facility, which happened once when I was 14. Uh, they had to release me, though, because they didn't have any charges. It was just a holding thing. Anyway, my mom even sent me to a drug rehab center just to get rid of me when I was 14, even though I didn't use drugs until I was 16. But that's beside the point. Anyway, so... Um, I think that, you know, that Joseph Smith understood that there was an opposition and he was trying to understand uh, things, you know, from from a world view and from uh, just things that he could understand. Seer Stones is one of them. Uh, treasure digging was probably something else. And, uh, you know, you don't judge somebody based upon what they do as a teenager all for their whole life. Uh, unless you're looking back on history, and then for some reason ex-Mormons want to say, oh, Joseph Smith did all these horrible things. And uh, and another thing about that as well, okay, so if, if the devil is opposing a prophet, 
he is going to use lies and slander to destroy the reputation of that prophet so nobody believes him. That's what Satan does. So I don't just trust everything that is said about, about Joseph Smith because I know that Satan has done that to me as well. He has uh, lied about uh, using his servants like Nate Carlisle at the Salt Lake Tribune uh, who wrote an article about, uh, well, it was partly about me, but it was about the group and the website that I had, uh, the Kingdom of God or Nothing, where he talked about how we, uh, part of our doctrine was uh, marrying little girls, because, you know, Joseph Smith did the same thing. Um, but I, I said what, I, I, I was actually in communication with the editor of the Salt Lake Tribune, and I was like, what are you talking about? Where are you getting this from? I ha- I can't, I did, it's not on my website. Like, where are you getting this from? I went through every page of my website. I did find and page uh, for anything that had to do with child coupling or child brides or anything like that. And where they got it from was... Um, one of the people that I allowed to post on that website talked about the sacrament of marriage should be uh, experienced by all of God's children. Well, you can be 90 years old and be a child of God. It didn't mean what they tried to say that it meant, but they didn't retract the story, but they did delete it off their website. But the problem with that is by the time uh, they did that, which was like a week, week and a half after they published the story, uh, other newspapers all over the world picked up what Nate Carlisle wrote in the Salt Lake Tribune and ran with it. So they may have corrected it on their website. They didn't print a retraction. Um, I talked to a lawyer about suing them for slander and libel and... The lawyer said basically, you know, they they could just say this, that, and the other, and they can get away with it or what. Anyway, so I never pursued that. But the Boston Herald had newspaper stories about me. Uh, There were newspaper stories about this situation that happened a number of years ago all over the world, in newspapers all over the world. And even uh, it was picked up on uh, several news networks, uh, television news networks. And, you know, the thing that happened was that uh, uh, two individuals that I had excommunicated from my group, they went and started their own group, and then they uh, they did some horrible things, which I couldn't even believe that they did that when they did it. When I found out that they did it, I I didn't believe it uh, until later when they, or well, one of them actually admitted to some of the things that they did or whatever, but... Anyway, but I didn't have anything more to do with them because God told me to excommunicate them and to not have anything more to do with them. And that was before they did the things that they did. But because they had information, uh, one of the individuals had uh, things on my website. They found my website, and then they tried to lump me in as the leader of the group. And I wasn't the leader of their group because they broke off of my group after I excommunicated them and kicked them out of the group. And what they did afterwards, uh, Nate Carlisle tried to lump me in as their leader because I was the owner of the site um, 
thekingdomofgodornothing.com and also uh, the founder of the Church of the Living Messiah and the School of the Prophets, which I still operate. Uh, and this is, you know, the School of the Prophets is part, this is part of what you're listening to now. Or this is part of that that teaching ministry that God has asked me to do. So anyway, but um, yeah, it, it was basically, you know, they took something completely out of context and they lied about it just to sensationalize something that never happened, at least within my group. And uh, you know what? Those two individuals are serving time 46 or 47 years to life and 23 or 24 years to life, and they deserve it. And uh, I knew that they were falling before they fell and completely, and were ir- they were irredeemable. And uh, they became very depraved, and they did things that they ought not to have done, and they deserve to be... Actually, I believe that they should... Well, I believe in capital punishment for what they did. But uh, I'm not the one who controls the law and whatever, so I don't get... I don't get to have a say in that, and they get to be in prison, and that's where they belong. So, anyway. But, um, let's see here. I, I just know that... There's a lot of lies and slander that go around about myself. And I know that that happened to Joseph Smith as well. It's because we raise up against the devil's kingdom and proclaim the restoration and the kingdom of God. And we're a threat to the devil's kingdom. And he will come after us in any way that he can. So all of this crap about the character of Joseph Smith, I just don't accept because I know that he was a prophet. And I know that he was a prophet because I got revelation, a very powerful witness that he is a prophet and the Book of Mormon is true. Alright, we're 65% done with the reading for today so I'll continue on. We should learn how the devil deceives people and what principles he uses, just as we study, study the principles of Jesus Christ. A good general learns the strengths and weaknesses of his enemy and a good christian needs to do the same and you know i've tried to do the same so uh i talked about the occult stuff but also when i was 16 i tried to have my name removed from the lds church i joined uh, southern baptist church in ogden utah and I really got into anti-Mormon stuff because I, I couldn't stand the church. Tell, to tell you the truth, I couldn't stand the church. The people in the church and what I had experienced as a teenager and a child uh, with manipulation and just different things in the church, I couldn't stand them. And then when I was approached with this anti-Mormon view that, that the Baptists had, I believed it and I studied it and uh, whatever, until my conversion in 1996. But after that, I continued to read the anti-Mormon literature, along with everything the church had, along with all of the old books, because I wanted to understand the truth of the Restoration, and I wanted to understand the lies so that I could be effective in being a missionary for God and the Restoration. And in fact, when I went on my mission, it was kind of interesting because I was sent to southern Georgia. Where I'd been a Baptist, I was extremely effective as a missionary, somebody who understood the anti-Mormon literature 
and understood what people were saying, and I was able to use the Bible to show the restoration and the doctrines of the restoration and disprove the Trinity and a whole bunch of other things. Um, so, you know, when Ogden says the general learns the strength and weaknesses of his enemy, I did those things. Uh, so anyway, continuing on, we know that both God and the devil can hear and answer prayers. A person can be, can be receiving true revelation, but if he transgresses the laws of God in any way and invites a wrong spirit, he may continue to get revelation, but it will be from another source. And he's getting that from something that Joseph Smith said. Thus, it is critical to know the difference. According to the prophet Joseph Smith, no man can receive the Holy Ghost without receiving revelations. And that's true. That's from teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 328. But the moment we revolt of anything which comes from God, the devil takes power. Teachings of the prophet, page 300, or no, it's page 181. But how do we know which is from God and which is from the devil? The prophet mentioned an important key, but... Paul actually talked about this in his letter to Timothy. He said, test the spirits, for that by some are many false prophets have gone forth in the world, because the spirits will give you revelation from a false source. So you get, I get, I used to get this all the time. I've had so many more revelations from Satan and from his side trying to get me to follow his corrupt paths or whatever than I've ever had from God. When the Spirit speaks to you, whether it's a good spirit or a bad spirit, it comes by the whisperings of the Spirit. This is why it is so very important to test the spirits and get confirmation of the Holy Spirit to know if the thing that you believe is true, to know if the revelation that you are receiving is a true revelation. Now, what I do is I believe everything that I'm given but I take it to God and I say, God, this is what I received. This is what I believe you're saying to me. Is it, is it correct? If the spirit increases, I know what's from him. And I know the interpretation of what I've been told is correct. If the spirit decreases, I can either know that it's not from him or my interpretation is not correct, but it is from him. So there's a, you have to learn how to test the spirits, to test the revelations that you're given. And uh, and if you have a problem with this, I've had a lot of people who have had problems with this type of thing, and it it really sucks actually to get all of these because it's constant bombardment. When this is happening to you, you're being attacked by Satan, and he's giving you tons of revelations. Anytime he does any of this stuff, if you turn to God he will stop doing it because he realizes that what he's doing actually is strengthening you spiritually and he doesn't want to be a part of that so he'll stop so but you always have to have your uh, guard up because he can start at any time so he'll stop and then he'll try to come in later and try to do some crap and this is why it's so important to get revelation for yourself and confirmation of the holy spirit to know the true interpretation of the revelations are receiving or the revelations we find in Scripture. All right. Let's see here. All right. This is from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 181. A key. Every principle proceeding from God is eternal, and any principle which is not eternal is of the devil. 
and that's true. So whenever they change the scriptures, or they change the doctrines, or they change the ordinances, or they change the endowments, that's not eternal. The fact that it is changing means that it is from the devil, not from God. Because God gave it a certain way, he expects it to be obeyed in a certain way, and when you go around changing things, well, you're doing that because you're receiving revelation from the wrong source to do those things, and you can make all the excuses in the world that you want. It's not from God. So, let's see here. There seems to be a common problem with most prophets, presidents, leaders, and key holders. They aspire to be the one who is chosen above all others. But how many of them have ever produced a genuine, genuine prophecy or been given the keys to seership or produced written revelations that are consistently fulfilled? Yet they claim to hold the keys, but where are the fruits of those keys? And they may not have received them, you know, prophets, seers, and revelators, people who claim to be prophets, seers, and revelators, who do not prophesy, do not receive revelations, have not had visions, and give those visions to the people, and teach deeper doctrines by revelation, that you cannot call them prophets, seers, and revelators. They don't actually have the fruits of being prophets, seers, and revelators. Now, what I find frustrating is I actually do have all of the fruits of being prophets, seers, and revelators. A prophet, seer, and a revelator. I have given, thus saith the Lord, revelations. I received one on August 14th, 2021, which I'm going to record, and I'll probably have a, a an audio spot where I can like share that with you from time to time. Uh, I haven't done it to this point, but I'll probably do it by the time this radio show airs. But um, I've gotten lots of these things. I've been taught by visions and revelations, and personally, physically, in the flesh, by Jesus Christ and the Father in their very presence. But most people will reject me because either they, they've rejected the prophet Joseph Smith, and so when I come along, they, they mock me. Or they're in the LDS church still, and they think that Russell M. Nelson or Thomas Monson or, he, you know, whoever these guys are that, are that claim to be prophets, seers, and revelators, they don't actually have any of the fruits of being prophets, seers, and revelators, but they, they believe that those people are who they say they are, so they reject me because... I'm not allowed to have those things because there's already a Lord's anointed on the earth, even though he doesn't have any of the fruits of being a Lord's anointed, but whatever. So they reject me because they believe these other people are who they claim to be, but they don't have any of the fruits. So anyway, all right, we're on page 311. Maybe if somebody doesn't have their keys, they lost them, as Columbo might say. It just came to me. If somebody lost their keys, maybe just maybe somebody else has them now. Yep. But see they lost keys a long time ago. So <coughs> I didn't actually have the keys until 2003. And there was another individual who had them before me. 
and I'm not going to talk about who he is because he is a fallen prophet, and um, it's sad that uh, he's gone into the dark. So, all right, let's see. In our search for priesthood keys, let's seriously consider the following four quotes. From Brigham Young, which should be very helpful in discerning true leaders and prophets from false ones. Quote, if I find a man, as I do once in a while, who thinks he ought to be sustained in a higher position than he currently occupies, that proves to me that he does not understand his true position and is not capable of magnifying it. Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 161 and 162. Another quote, many imbibe the idea that they are capable of leading out and teaching principles that have never been taught. They are not aware that the moment they give way to this hallucination, the devil has power over them to lead them into, uh, onto unholy ground. If they have received from the proper source the same power that was revealed to them would uh, them would have shown them that they must keep these things revealed in their own bosoms and they seldom would have a desire to disclose them to a second person. Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 318. And I have a problem with that because the devil doesn't want revelations or true knowledge to be taught. So he's going to tell you to keep things to yourself, right? And the LDS Church would do the same thing. Uh, and, you know, I used to believe that, and I used to keep all these things to myself until God told me in 2013 to be bold with my witness and teach teach the truth. So all the stuff that I received before, before 2013, I would talk about these things in a third person. So I have videos on YouTube that I have from a long time ago where I would say I knew a man who, you know, and I talk about my experiences in the third person. Paul did the same thing when he said, I knew a man in Christ about 13 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, God knoweth, such as one caught up to the third heaven. And he was actually talking about something that he went through, his own uh, spiritual experience, but he was talking about himself in the third person. So he used to do the same thing until God told me to be bold with my witness and declare these things. So now I'm bold, and I'm not, I don't care. Like, you know, I I shouldn't be throwing my pearls before swine, and here I am on a radio show, podcast, throwing it out to the world. It's basically so that you can be left without excuse. See, you have the ability to get revelation to know that these things are true, and if you just listen and you accept it without getting revelation, then there's condemnation that comes with that. But if you reject it without any revelation, there's condemnation that comes with that as well. So God's told me to be bold with my witness, and I am bold. And because I'm bold, people have a problem with that. And they say that I'm a false prophet because I shouldn't be so bold. And I'm arrogant and all those other things because the devil puts it in their mind to slander me and whatever. So anyway, Continuing on with the reading, and we're 78% done with the reading for today. So when individuals are blessed with visions and revelations and great manifestations, look out, then the devil is nigh you and will be tempted to purport 
in proportion to the vision, revelation, and manifestation you have received. Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 206. And that's true, because the devil can give you a whole bunch of stuff. That's why you've got to get confirmation of the Holy Spirit to know the, the truth of what you are receiving. So one of the individuals that I was talking about before that fell, that uh, is in prison now, he was receiving, he was receiving good stuff, but but he fell and he started receiving bad stuff. And I told him, you need to go to God and make sure that this is from God because I knew it wasn't. The stuff, the stuff he started receiving was bad, bad fruit. I said, you need to go to God and make sure this is from God so that you are not becoming a a prophet of Satan. And he said, well, I'm just going to put it out there and people can just do what they want with it, you know. And he became a prophet of Satan, and he fell because of his pride and his arrogance. And also, Joseph Smith taught that a seer who falls will continue with his gift of seership, but he will receive his his visions from a false source. So anyway, you know, because there are true prophets, there are false prophets, and there are fallen prophets. All right, Brother John referred to some persons receiving revelation. I say to such persons, go ahead and get all the revelations you can. If Brother Joseph visits you every night, go ahead and tell him to bring Brother Hiram, Father Smith, Don Carlos Smith, St. Paul, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus Christ, if you can induce him to do so. But I could almost but I could almost lay my hand on that Bible and swear that that man or woman who gets such revelations has been guilty of adultery or of theft or has been rebellious and apostatized in feelings and has come back again and now professed to have such revelations. Hell is full of such revelations. And I could almost testify that a man or woman who receives them is, has been guilty of some outrageous crime. Journal of Discourses, Volume 5, page 352. How grateful we should be to Brigham Young and his wisdom and foresight. Okay, these are not my words. These are Ogden crowds. He surely saw our day in, in the increasing dangers and deceptions. And Heber C. Kimball also saw our day and knew there would be a decrease in spiritual gifts and righteous leadership. And I agree with that. The time will come, and this is a Heber C. Kimball, I think. The time will come when no man nor woman will be able to endure on borrowed light. Each will have to be guided by the light within it within himself and actually that's Jay Golden Kimball in conference report April 1906 page 76 so what should we do when the house of God is out of order which it is should we join a group or follow some charismatic leader outside of the LDS church good counsel came from Lauren Woolley don't fight the church don't establish or become a part of a group these are his opinions. These are his opinions. He said, you'll live to see the day when the prophet Joseph will come among this people to individuals and he will choose this man 
or that man that they are the ones through the instrumentality of the prophet Joseph Smith who is the one the one mighty and strong who will come bearing the scepter of power in his hands in order to uh, to set the house uh, in his hands to set in order the house of God so and that's uh, reminiscence by John W. Woolley Lawrence C. Woolley Rhea Kuhn's interview with Carl Jentz, volume one, page two, or number two, page six. All right, hold on here. I need to get a drink. Okay, we're on page 313, and we're 88% done with the reading for today. Today we are taught by the LDS church leaders that to fulfill the requirements of exaltation, we must, number one, have faith in God and Christ. Number two, repent. Number three, be baptized and confirmed. Number four, be morally clean. Number five, partake of the sacrament worthily. Number six, pay a full tithing. Number seven, keep the word of wisdom. Number eight, attend Sunday meetings. Number nine, sustain general authorities. Number ten, obtain a temple recommend. These are all important requirements, especially when the church is in order. But as Joseph Smith said when giving a a correct rendition of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, quote, Not leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go unto perfection. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 328. What What are the requirements in seeking seeking such perfection. Number one, to obtain the keys to the fullness of the holy priesthood. Number two, to function in the holy order. Number three, become the Lord's anointed. Number four, get the patriarchal office and calling, and that's been done away with. The patriarchal office, the presiding patriarch, we don't have one anymore. Anyway, Number five, be willing to make a sacrifice of all things. Number six, obey the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. Number seven, belong to the church of the firstborn. Number eight, receive your second anointings, or it's also called your second endowments. Number nine, have your calling and election made sure. Number ten, live as kings and priests, queens and priestesses in the kingdom of God. And I would say also that the uh, that the law of adoption needs to be restored. That is an extremely important part of the restoration, which people do not understand anymore. And um, yeah, like all of these things are important. All of these things need to be lived anyway. When a person receives the Melchizedek priesthood, to receive certain keys to that priesthood, accompanied by an oath and covenant. If he keeps the terms of the oath, then the covenant promises him eternal life, the greatest of all blessings. We should never forget that speaking to the elders, Wilfred Woodruff said, Do you appreciate the priesthood that is given you, and that the keys of the kingdom are given to you, and that the world of mankind are dependent upon you for salvation? No, not as you ought. Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, page 222. And Joseph Musser gave some excellent advice. He said, stop quibbling about who holds the keys. 
but each magnify his particular calling and see to it that no no day passes that they are not engaged in advancing the cause of the kingdom. Journal of Joseph W. Musser, August 12, 1838. I'm sorry, 1938. Bearing the priesthood and being blessed with its keys are part of our stewardship, for which will have which will we have to give an accounting? Maybe a righteous family patriarch should be more concerned about the priesthood keys that he already holds and can qualify for rather than searching for someone for someone else with keys. He may already possess this great treasure of presiding authority keys are calling in keys. So all right, that is the end of the reading for this book. I'm not exactly sure what book we're going to be starting on with next. I have a couple of ideas, and I will probably take a a look at uh, you know which which book I feel like we should read next. But this has taken probably about six months, six to eight months, to complete all six volumes of Holy Priesthood. So we're finally done with it, and it is the mountain that I, you know, chose to to climb for these for 2021, basically. So anyway, um, if we have any guest call-in, oh, excuse me, if we have any guest call-ins, uh, the number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And if we don't have any, um, if we don't have any, I will probably just uh, have to end the program for today. But let me see if I can figure out what book I'm going to read for the next program. And I'm just going to pause this. Uh, as I've said before, we're doing a pre-recorded program, but it's still live, so you can still call in, and I will be available to take questions and answers. Um, but I'm pre-recording the reading portion of the program today on my day off so that uh, I can help with my wife and kids not having to do this for me when I'm at work. So, all right, let me see here. I'll be right back. Okay, real quick while I have the screen up um, in front of me, uh, if you go to ogdenkraut.com, that's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com, that's all one word, and you click on Read Books Online, here are the list of books that we have to choose from. As it is translated correctly, which I've already read, Blood Atonement, I've already read that one. I've actually read all of these, so I won't say that. I've read, whatever, I've read them all. Um, on my old programs, The Kingdom of God or Nothing, and a lot of them on this podcast program as well, which you can find at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Calling an Election, Celestial Marriage, Christ and the Crucifixion, The Church and the Gospel, The Church and the Priesthood, the Coming American Revolution, A Complaint Against Ogden Kraut, Compromise and Concession, and that's a really good book. That's actually one of the first books I had of Ogden Kraut's. Fasting for Health and Happiness, The Four Crafts, The Gathering of Israel, The Gift of Dreams, The Gift of Tongues, 
Holy Priesthoods, Volume 1 through 6, which we just finished. Uh, Jesus was Married, which actually is a dang good book. Everybody should read that book. And I've read it on the program as well. So, a uh, book about Judas Iscariot, which is actually a good book as well. I mean, all these books are good, but... Uh, the Kingdom of God, Volumes 1 through 3. A Letter and Response by Ogden Kraut. Lineage of the Priesthood. Marriage Covenant. Men and Monuments of Freedom. Michael Adam, which is a really good book, Military Experiences, Missionary Experiences, A Model of the Gold Plate, uh, and this book is my, these two next books are my favorite, The Mysteries of Creation, and 95 Thesis. Then we have One Mighty and Strong, The Only True, the only true God, then we have pa- the Pamphlets of Ogden Kraut, that one and two, which is actually one of the first programs, uh, one of the first series of programs that I started on Fundamentally Mormon when I started this particular internet radio show. We have a book about paradise, parallel paths, that's a good one, uh, the parallel paths of the church and the constitution and how both have become corrupted and fallen. Polygamy in the Bible, a book about the pre-existence a book about preparation for the kingdom. There's a book about the garments, the priesthood garments. Uh, there's a book about principles and personalities. Prophecies of the Latter Days. Rebaptism. It's a pretty good book. Reincarnation is a dang good book as well. The Relief Mine, um, the Relief Mine book too, which I like those books, but. Actually, I have a pretty interesting story about the relief mine and how I was called to rededicate it and how there was an individual after I rededicated that saw angels all over the place and how amazing that was for her. Uh, And she didn't know that we rededicated, but I was told by God to do that, so I did that. Anyway, a book about resurrection, um, a book about the revelations that the church rejects now that were received from Jesus Christ between 1880, 1880 and 1890. A book about seers and seer stones. A book about the segregation of Israel. Uh, sermons and writings, volume 1 through 4. And actually, maybe I should get into that because I don't think I've read that series of books on my radio show. A book about the 70s, and did you know that 70s are considered apostles? A lot of people in the church today don't know that, but that's the way it was set up when when these things are restored. So, Uh, Spirit World Experiences, Stories of Faith, a book about the three Nephites, a book about the United Order, a book about the visions of the latter days, and that's a really good book. Also, uh, The White Horse Prophecy is a really good book. Who Crucified Christ, The Wilford Woodruff Journal Excerpts, and The Wit and Wisdom of Heber C. Kimball. So I've got to choose from among those books, but you can go to ogdenkraut.com and read every single one of those books for yourself at any time you want because they are free to read online. So you can even print them out on your copier and read them, you know, or you can contact Pioneer Press in Salem, Utah to see what books they have available 
for people to, uh, let's see here, for people to, you know, to purchase and have sent to them. Um, let's see, Pioneer Publishing at msn.com, and their phone number is 801 754 5465. So that's how you get in contact with Kevin or uh, his wives. So, or his his publishing company, uh, whatever. It's in Salem, Utah. So, anyway, um, all right. Well, that's the end of the program. Um, I will take phone calls at this time, but if there are none, I'm just going to put the music on. So, I'll just check the studio real quick. And uh, we'll take phone calls. And if we don't have anybody on, then you're just going to hear music playing. So thank you for listening to the program. Take care, everyone. God bless. And goodbye. Uh, Okay, so one little correction. It's not Salem. I don't know why I said that. It's Santa Quinn, Utah. Pioneer Press. Um, Emmett, do we have anybody in the studio or in the chat room tonight? Um, in the studio now, I'm refreshing the chat room right now. Okay. It doesn't look like also, anyone well, in the chat room. Okay, that's fine. Um, I am going to be re- reading Writings and Sermons. Um, I think there's three volumes of that, and it's basically just, it's not Journal of Discourse stuff. It's stuff that's not in the Journal of Discourses. Uh sermons given by Brigham Young and John Taylor and Orson Pratt and Parley P. Pratt and all of these other people. Three tube coming down. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's what we're going to be starting on probably tomorrow. And since there is no callers... I guess we'll just go to the uh, the end of music prelude or prelude or something. Anyway, um, Emmett, go ahead and do that, and I'll mute myself. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the program. And we'll be back on tomorrow at 8 p.m. with another episode of Fundamentally Mormon. Thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye. Mm-hmm.